family-owned shop in Loganville, Sosby's Garage, for all your automotive repair needs. We service all makes and models, Ford and domestic. We repair engines, alternators, brakes, alignments, AC systems, and more, using certified technicians with over 90 years of combined experience. We also offer same-day service for some repairs. Sosby's Garage, 200 Bay Creek Road in Loganville. Dependable, honest, and fair. Look us up on Google or Facebook. We'll take good care of you. Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast. Good morning, Gwinnett County. Hope everybody's doing great. Uh, welcome to Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. I'm your host, Rick Strawn, the president of Paradigm Security. We are excited to be with you again today on Business Radio X. We are broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio, located in the beautiful Sinesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel in Duluth, Georgia. In addition to Paradigm Security, this show is also brought to you by Soulsby's Garage. And on every show, we feature businesses, organizations, and people in the Atlanta area, especially those that serve Gwinnett County. While all businesses have security issues and concerns, not all are about physical security. And we will touch on that and other related aspects of security through the course of our shows. Our guest today, we since the polit- politics is kind of over for a little while, we thought we'd have a very interesting guest back on with us. And I want to welcome Jerry Robb, J.L. Robb, the author. And how you doing, Jerry? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, Jerry has a lot of interesting things that he's done through his life. And one of the most interesting that we'll touch on as we go through this is uh, his book series. Uh, And, you know, it's a rather interesting series that uh, I know I've read. It's a seven-book series. And it is an awesome series. If you haven't read it, you can go to Amazon or any place and get it. I highly suggest that you do. The topic is kind of pertinent right now as things are going on in our world today, and um, we'll talk about it. But first, let's just ask, you know, who is Jerry Robb? Tell people who you are. Well, I was born in Georgia, raised in North Carolina. Uh, I'm a Navy veteran, went in the service from 68 to 74. Um then I went to college and graduated in, with a degree in zoology. Uh, went into medical business. Um, went into the disco business in Atlanta with seven other people. And then I started a lighting company. And I've been in my, the lighting business for a little over 40 years. And my expertise really lies in the field of LED lighting. And that's a pretty hot product right now. Oh, yeah. Well, you do a lot of the LED, your customers and stuff are like churches, businesses, uh, commercial properties primarily. Commercial properties. The um, Church of the Apostles in Atlanta is one of my biggest clients in Primerica in Duluth. But I do small businesses and large, large businesses. But LED lighting can cut anybody's lighting costs at least 40 to 50 percent, and sometimes 75 or 80 percent. So if somebody wants to cut their power costs or electrical costs, 
one of the simplest way to do it is lighting and um, because heating and air is dependent on the outdoor temperature but lighting is not so if you cut your lighting bill your lighting consumption 75 or 80 percent you can figure out your payback which is usually within about two years well and that's something that's always on if you're there and yep. it's in some extent is always on when you're not so yeah i can see where that would be a biggie i know uh you say you've been in the business for 40 years uh you operate out of gwinnett county out of my home in duluth yep. and anybody that uh is looking at coming up on redoing or just if you're interested in the possibilities of redoing your lighting I would suggest that you call Jerry and have him come out and just take a look at it, uh, give you an estimate on what it would cost, and then that'll help you make your decisions. And I can tell you right now, the the benefits and savings are well worth what the cost is to put the lighting in. Uh, you recover that in a fairly short period of time. But, you know, let's talk a little bit about the book. Uh, give people the title of your book. The End, the Book, Parts 1 through 7. That is, uh, you know, you kind of, it's a curious, curiosity-peaking title. Um, why the interest, uh, why did you develop such an interest in the book of Revelations, which is what this is about? Yeah, let me see if I can give you the elevator pitch here. Uh, <laughs> when I was five years old, the polio pandemic hit North Carolina really heavy, so my parents sent me to Georgia to live with my aunt and uncle and the, my cousins, and I stayed there for a year, and they were Southern Baptists, and we were in church all the time and reading the Bible all the time, and about the only book we had to read was the Bible. So when I got 10 and could read uh, pretty well, I read the book of Revelation with my cousin, scared the you-know-what out of us. Now this is back when you were reading by candlelight, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Last century. <laughs> <laughs> but <clears throat> we we would read it every night, and we didn't really know what we were reading, but we, it was plenty scary, like science fiction, and I've just always kind of had an addiction for it. Well, you know, a lot of people, uh, it's something that really isn't taught in church. A lot of people, most churches don't really go over much on the Revelations. And it's kind of, you know, for whatever reason, whether it be, uh, well, for whatever reason, they don't go through the uh, revelations. But it's one of the books, if you really get into it and read, is fascinating. Uh, you're right, it's, it's, it's like a thriller. But if you go through it and look, you can compare it with a lot of things that have happened in, say, the last 30 years that are really falling in line with that uh, with that book of Revelations as it heads toward what's called the end of times. Uh, according to a, a, poll re, a Pew Research poll that came out last week, 40% of Americans believe in the end of times. And they believe we're, we're living in the end of times. Yeah, believe yeah. we're living in the end of times. And, you know, with all the talk about the people that aren't being, you know, aren't religious right now, that's not quite a number. That would be actually a, lo uh, a lot of people that aren't even in the religious believing type situation believe that we're in the we're in the end of times. Yeah, I think that even atheists are beginning to believe it. They don't. They know something is going on. 
because the world's gone crazy, uh, oh, especially the last three years with violence and burning buildings down and riots and all this stuff is talked about in my very first book when I lay, lay the story out. Rioting, burning buildings down, all these terrorists, Islamist terrorists are coming in across the Mexican border, which is probably what's happening right now. I would think so. Totally open. Yeah, we we just had a electric power grid in North Carolina go down. It's also happened in the state of Washington and Oregon where somebody's shooting the power grids, the transformers with AK-47s. And last week, 45,000 people in North Carolina lost their power for three days when it was cold. And it, that would not surprise me if that was an act of terrorism. And it would not surprise me if they came across the southern border. No, I mean, that would be, right now, that's the most logical place to come across. Uh, they don't need airplanes and stuff like that now, where they have to show their ID and they're on a terrorist watch list or something like that and can't get through. All they got to do is go to Mexico and come across. That's it. Um, and they've caught uh, quite a few people on that terrorist watch list, and that's only a small portion of the people that have come across. There's so many what they call gotaways that they know about, and that's only a small portion of, you know, who knows how many they don't know got away and got through over that border. So, you know, what do you think about the buildup in the current situation with regards to the end of times? Well, nobody knows when that time's going to be. When Jesus himself was asked by the apostles, when is this going to be? He said that not even he knew that, nor the angels in heaven knew that. Only God knew that. But he did give some signs to the apostles, and he said, when you see these things happening, you, you will know the time is near. One of those signs that was to be was Israel was to become a country again for the first time in 2,500 years, mm -hmm. and they did that in 1948. To me, that's when the end time started, was 1948, with the rebirth of Israel, because most people were thinking that was never going to happen, but it did. And then since then, um, the world's really gone to pot. It's, we have... No pun intended. Yeah, no, no pun intended. Probably should. Probably <laughs> better off. The, um, um, we, the Supreme Court kicked God out of school in 1962 under the separation clause, which was never a clause. And it was the founding fathers that did write the separation of church and state <clears throat> and what they call church and state. But if they wrote it, they also put a Bible in every school classroom and said it was the best textbook in the world. Um, John Jay, the first Supreme Court justice, uh, declared us a Christian nation. I think they didn't put that in the Constitution. Yeah. For some reason, they just took for granted that everybody would know that. But it started with the uh, kicking God out of school, and then John Kennedy was killed, and um, abortion was legalized, and now gay marriage has been legalized. A lot of people say, well, love is love, whatever, but I write about the Bible, and God was against all this stuff. He was against adultery, uh, against abortion, against all this stuff, and we're just happily going about our business and doing exactly what we want to do. Well, you know, and just to be clear on that uh, separation of church and state, 
the only thing there it was that was that basically it covered was that the, the state will not be responsible or be in charge of establishing a religion or saying who gets what religion is the primary religion and this is the only religion it didn't say that there couldn't be religion in things it just said the state won't mandate it and of course they're just they just mandating like a fool right now they like to mandate just about everything which is just taking control of everything but you know looking at your book you know and we've talked about this and for those that get it, the first books is a little tough to get through. Uh, it was it's interesting, and I I didn't have a problem with it, but it it, it lays the groundwork for the books to come. So a lot of people, I know I felt like it was a little kind of all over the place, but then once you get into the second book, all the all over the place starts making sense. It's laid the groundwork. So describe that a little bit. Well, I had never written a book when I wrote this one, and I was 63 years old then. And it took me... Kid. Yeah, took me nine years to write seven books in the series. But how I got from LED lighting to writing was real interesting because at one time I did I was not a believer at all. But I, wrote, I decided to read the Bible and take some Bible archaeology courses, and I became convinced that, that it was definitely true. And I, so I started praying, and I started believe, believing. And when I was 53, every once in a while when I would pray, I would hear a voice say, write those books or write your books or something like that. And I kept hearing it over and over for 10 years. And finally it was my daughter who said, you know, maybe it's God talking to you. You know, why don't you do it and I'll make you a web page. And that's what we did. So I started writing book one and I just asked God to help me do it since I had never written a book. And he gave us a story in my mind and, and the first book does bounce all over the place. Most of the book is centered right here in Gwinnett County, in Hall County. That's what, but that was what was fascinating to me. It's all centered right here right. around and around people that you you know, but you don't know that you know them because their names are changed to protect the innocent in right. the book. That's correct. And so there's a lot in the Norcross, Buford, Duluth area where all the people live. The main character lives mm-hmm. in Sugar Life. But then it goes all over the world because it bounces to Afghanistan where there's a near war on the Afghanistan border with um, India. They always are fighting right on that border. Oh, yeah. And it goes to China, the South China Sea, where we're going to have a conflict. We're going to have a war, the yep. South China Sea. And it goes to Russia and the Russia collusion with China. And they are colluding. I mean, they, they, want, they want to destroy America. And it's pretty evident. What's amazing is this was all written several years ago. And it just, it's depicting what's actually happening right now. Well, I'm not a prophet. Right. And I have people that want to make me one. <laughs> and I just read a lot. I read the news. I'm not a prophet. I read the news a lot. I'm a news junkie, and I've been reading stuff. And a lot of people that read the news, the South China Sea's been, uh, fiasco's been going on for 15 or 20 years. Yeah. But it's getting ready to come to a head. And a lot of stuff is coming to a head. And 
when I think the end is near, I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow. I don't really know. It may happen in my lifetime. I'm 75. It could, could possibly. But there's too many things happening right now that are described to happen in the Bible. Yeah, it's kind of like a, just kind of like a buildup. Just like a buildup. And that's what Jesus said. He said, when you see these things happening, get you're, you're going to get ready because he's going to come like a thief in the night. Well, as you go through the first book, and it lays everything, kind of lays all the groundwork of the people, their backgrounds. Uh, and toward the end of the first book, it kind of starts coming together, and you can see it hidden. It, it's amazing the way when you finish with that first book, it's actually giving you a teaser for the second book, and it just kind of flows into the second book. And I noticed on all the books... They end that way. That's the book ends, and it's just kind of flows in. You're wanting to pick up the next book because you want to see what happened at the end of that book. So it's amazing the way it piques your interest to keep keep reading. I know I'm not a person that reads a lot of stuff outside of business, outside of security-related material. But I couldn't put these seven books down. Uh, I don't know what I read them in. I think I read all seven books in about a month and a half or something like that. It was quick. I gave gave you the first book, and it was like three days later. Then you bought the second (laughs) book, and then you bought the third, and then you said, just give me the rest of them. them. Yeah, Yeah, and, you know, I I think if people read it, once they get to the end of that first book, they're going to want to pick up that second book and third book and fourth book. And... The way it flows, and I don't know if off the top of your head, because we hadn't talked about this, if you could remember kind of how it flows from the first to the second. Is that in a... Well, well it flows from the fir- the first book ends with a war getting ready to start. And the last sentence was, now the real war will begin. And that kind of hooks you for the second oh, yeah. book. And the second book just progresses to, um, there's a lot of stuff going on. We, we've got... Um, meteorites coming going on uh, destroying uh, uh, a school in Swanee and it just continues the natural disasters a lot of natural disasters it's not just going to be war and it's just all building up from a pandemic to I have a virus in in book six I have a virus that's just like the one that's killing everybody now or or some people think it's fake but the one in my book, sixth book, was called the Las Vegas SARS-3 virus, and it was a lot more deadly. But this stuff is, some of the predictions for end times was the seas would be extraordinarily rough. Um, the weather would be extraordinary. Uh, the planet would warm up. It wasn't Al Gore that thought up global warming. <laughs> it was God that did it. He said it was going to warm up. And all those things were doing so. It's just Book two is progressive to book three, uh, and the lead character is named Jeff, Jeff Ross, and he is an atheist, but his mother wasn't, and she used to harp on religion when he was little, which is probably the why he turned atheist. Rebels. Yeah. But he just started noticing that all his mother, these things his mother talked about in the end times, they just started happening. And he finally came to recognition in the third book, it's called Visions and Dreams. He started having all these dreams and visions. And he ended up um, in that series of dreams becoming a Bible scholar. And then he was a believer. And 
that's his journey going on and and there's a rapture in it where, where people just disappear there's some people don't tell them too much yeah <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not gonna tell them how that happened oh yeah but most most people in the church do believe there is a rapture the debate is when does it happen yeah and how does it happen and how does it happen and it's going to be a remarkable experience well and we talked about a, a lot of people believe it happens before all the bad stuff some people believe it happens after all the bad stuff and then there's those that believe that it happens kind of like your book it happens during the bad stuff and it's a progressive thing uh, a slow a slow process which uh you know so it, there, there's it, it it gives you it it peaks your thought process it gets your curiosity up it makes you want to learn more and you know like i said i can't say enough about it because i was uh to a point where i couldn't put the books down well my market is not the saved my market is the unsaved and it's not a lot of bible scripture quoting because the people that i want to read it are not going to read it if that's the way that it is um but it's a thriller. I wrote it like a thriller. Uh, there's bar scenes in it. It's the real world. And that's what I tried to present. And hopefully, if one person's saved, it'll be worth writing seven books. And I know that's already happened. Well, I, and one thing I noticed, and I have a lot of friends that are Jewish, and I'm a big supporter of Israel and the Jewish community. And it's something that both Christians and Jews, as well as Muslims, can get out of it. Uh, it's something that everybody can read and find it interesting, regardless of what their religious stand is. They could, because it's not a slamming, it's not even a slamming Islam book. No, it's, it's not. It's a slamming of the extremists that are Christian, in the Christian, Jewish, and Islamic community. Has, it has good people in it that are they, Muslim. Exactly. It has one Muslim, one Muslim guy saves a, a Jewish school of, of children. Right. It catches on fire. So it's not slamming anything, and I have, I've read the Quran, and I have... <clears throat> A lot of information about Islam that people probably don't know, and I have a lot of information about Judaism that Christians and Muslims don't know, and then I've got a lot about Christianity and Islam that the Jews don't know, because I don't know one single Christian that's ever read the Quran. No, I tell you, I haven't. Yeah, and I've talked to... to you have. Yeah, I have. I've talked <laughs> to preachers before, and they and it's like, well, I'm, never, I'm not going to read that book. But I've always been in sales and marketing, and I learned one thing in my early years about sales and marketing, and it is you better learn the competition. Yeah. Know your adversary. Yeah. And uh, if people don't know what's going on, people don't have any idea what the um, Islamic tenets are, but they are the only religion that commands them to take over the world, the world. And they've tried it a few times. That's why we had the Inquisition. But their religion teaches them to either convert everybody, kill everybody, or enslave everybody. And that's what their goal is for the extremists. Now, that's only 15% of Islam are extreme, but they really want to do that. Yeah, and that's a dangerous, that's a dangerous 15%. It's a dangerous 15%. And it's we the saw most that local. On, yeah, we saw that on 9-11. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we've seen it uh, through ISIS and and. Uh, all of the different caliphate uh, efforts and the different uh, fanatical 
parts of the Islam that's over there right now. Uh, and, you know, you can see them progressing with that idea in mind. And, you know, the, the Jewish people uh, are you know, hell-bent, if you pardon the phrase, but they're, they're bound and determined that they will survive. And so there's got to be a time, you know, you, you've got such polar opposites, there's got to be a time that it's going to clash, and a, and a big major clash. Well, that clash happens in Israel. Yeah. The plains of Megiddo, which Armageddon for short, mm-hmm. but it is the plains of Megiddo. There's been many wars battled in that, those plains. But the Bible's very descriptive. And, I mean, it's so descriptive that it's like, who could have predicted all this? But Jerusalem is supposed to become a real problem for the world. It's always been a problem for the world, sort of. But in the last days, it's supposed to be a real burden, called it a burdensome stone. And when Donald Trump moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, he was the fourth president that promised that, but he was the only one that did it. That was a big fulfillment of the the prophecy of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm because Muslims want it, Christians did want it, but yeah. it is the Jewish land, and the Jews are God's chosen people in my, in my belief, and I pray for them. I've got a lot of friends who are Jews too, and I pray that um, they at least read the New Testament or something because they, they do not, the rabbis don't tell them, and um, I think they're going to be in for a big surprise. Yeah, and it could be a, uh, a big, a really big surprise. Let's kind of transition over to what's going on now. Uh, your, I won't say your latest book because you've got other stuff that's been written since then, and you're writing stuff now. But you wrote a book called Joey's Legacy, and uh, I, those that may have seen a lot about it on Facebook, because uh, there's a lot of discussion about it, and uh, there's a website for Joey's Legacy and. Uh, one of the big things of today with a lot of people is our pets and the love for our pets. Um, and Joey's legacy is it starts with a story about a pet and an owner and kind of describe a little bit how that started. Yeah, the, the guy that started Joey's legacy is named Scott Fine, and Joey was his dachshund. And he took his dachshund to the veterinarian. Uh, they didn't do any lab work and gave him medication that resulted in the dog's death. The dog was eight years old or seven years old. And the veterinarian in this case was nonchalant about it, uh, nonchalant about it. He, he told Scott, he said, well, I didn't think you had the money to pay for the lab work, which was ridiculous. So they messed with the wrong guy. And Scott started a nonprofit called joeyslegacy.org, and you can also find it on uh, Joey's Legacy on Facebook. And it's a website for people that have been victims of veterinary malpractice and negligence. Now, Correct. that's a very small percentage of veterinarians, mm-hmm. but every industry has its bad apples. And the people that suffer this injustice, uh, they never get over it. It's like PTSD. And these two books that I wrote for Joey's Legacy, it's their story. They've got about 70 stories in there, and I let the people, they, they wrote it themselves, and I did not edit it. I put it in there so people could see the emotion 
of how upset these exactly. people are. But I've been going to the same veterinary clinic for 35 years. I've never had a problem. Most people don't. But there are some veterinarians that are just in it purely for the money. And when they do make a mistake, some of them cover it up. And that's really what Joy's legacy is about. It's not the fact that negligence was accidental. It's the fact that it was covered up. The, the notes, the doctor's notes were changed and all kinds of stuff. And people now, they take people to court for this. And Joey's legacy is trying to get one of their biggest uh, pushes is to get your pet recognized as more than a microwave oven. People yep. don't sleep with just their a piece of property. Yeah, a piece of property. People don't sleep with their lawnmower. They do with their dogs and cats. And, Absolutely. And they're different. Well, but that's what that's about. And right now, a documentary is in the process of being made by a, a man that's um, in Florida who's won nine Emmys. It's going to be a one hour documentary, and it will appear on PBS and I guess a few other places. And hopefully, that's going to be done within a year. Well, I know that. Um, with the stories and all that that are written in there you know a lot of the people just honestly say it wouldn't have been such a big deal as far as yes it's a part of my family yes it hurts like crazy but i wouldn't have so much animosity toward this veterinarian if they'd just been honest if they hadn't tried to cover it up and just refused to admit what they did when it became obvious what they did because a lot of people took their dogs and they they didn't rely they don't rely on the autopsy from the vet that does it they go and they have their own autopsies done they do and that's what a lot of people are doing that's how this became a phenomenon people going to get autopsies on their dogs but <clears throat> i read a story about one case on the internet where a lady took her dog in for abdominal surgery and they called her and said that the, it was eaten up with cancer, so they just sewed it back up and it died. Well, she did take it to um, have an autopsy. And when they opened up the dog, they said it didn't have any cancer at all, but the intestine was severed. So she took them to court, and the, when the court found out that um, one of the technicians or a veterinarian had dropped a scalpel in the abdominal cavity and accidentally severed the intestine and the dog bled to death that's what people hate mm -hmm. it's like i didn't mean to if, if the story was i accidentally dropped a scalpel and what can i do for you i mean it was a terrible accident people are understanding of that pretty much so but when it's intentionally covered up an obstetrician has to pay about two hundred and fifty thousand a year for malpractice insurance a veterinarian pays about 400 a year it's there's no punishment for them until you punish the pocketbook, it's going to continue. And they go through the uh, review boards and all with the state and all, and there's just not been, there's no accountability. There isn't. And a lot of the re review boards, they've never seen a veterinarian they don't love, no matter if that, even if they have 40 complaints. And that's just not the way the board's supposed to work. No. I know the, um, looking at it, part of what they're trying to do, and I noticed, Right now, there are more and more attorneys coming on with Scott and Joey's legacy to pro bono uh, a lot of the legal stuff to help these help these people with their with their cases, review it and all, and then process and then take it to court. And the idea of you mentioned it before of getting it to where the value of your 
pet, your part of your family, is valued not at fifty dollars or a hundred dollars to replace it and all that. It, it's there's substantial, and like you said, hitting the pocketbook. There's substantial value put to the to the life of that pet, and that's that's the focus or part of the focus, not the focus, but part of the focus of getting this uh, of these attorneys involved. In, for the parent, uh, for the parents, for the uh, owners of the dogs, and I guess they consider themselves parents. Pet parents, yeah. And you know, forcing some of this, some of these consequences on these vets, and there are a lot of vets within Joey's Legacy that have volunteered their time and uh, their knowledge and expertise toward the same goal because they, in turn, don't like the bad performers and bad actors within their profession that's exactly right and if anybody ever has any doubts about their doctor their their dog dying at a vet clinic or a pet grooming clinic or anything like that i would suggest that they just go to the facebook page and join joey's legacy and once you join joey's legacy and right now there's no charge to do that uh, you there are many many veterinarians and animal rights lawyers that are members and if you think that you might have a case, and they'll tell you whether you have a case or not because they'll review your paperwork, and they'll let you know. And if it's not pro bono, the, the prices are deeply discounted. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, I would suggest that anybody that loves pets uh, go to joyslegacy.org and join. I mean, it is a, it's a great organization. It's a great cause. Uh, and a lot of people out here that uh, that deal with pets and do with fostering, and you know, it's it's amazing. I've got a a grandson that goes up to the Gwinnett Humane Society, and he volunteers. And he's, I mean, he's 14 years old. He give, he volunteers down there and works with the pets and the fostering. And right now, every time I turn around, he's bringing home a dog to foster, which is luckily to my daughter's home and my son-in-law's home, and not to mine. But um, you know he he loves it. He loves dealing with the animals, and there's it's so much so much need for people to help out with these animals. And most everybody, it doesn't matter what your religion is or what your politics is. Seventy-eight percent of Americans have at least one pet, and a whole bunch of them have two or more. And well, you have one that's the size of three or four. I do. I have a hundred and thirty-pound princess, and she's she'll top out about one sixty. I've had six. This is my sixth Great Dane, and I just love a big dog. And they have a different personality. Oh, that dog's as big as you are. It is. It's bigger than me. <laughs> Outweighs me. But the um, if somebody wants unconditional love, you're never going to get it from your kid. No. But you will get it from your dog or, or your, your cat spouse or your spouse. But um, everybody, everybody has, um, every pet has unconditional love for you. It's a, it's a great phenomenon. Even a cat. Even a cat. <laughs> I had just, a cat. They just show it differently. <laughs> well, you mentioned real quick, we, we'll wrap this up because we're about time, but uh, Joey's Legacy, uh, the documentary. Uh, tell us a little bit more about coming up with the. Uh, I know I was over at your house when. Uh, I'm sorry. What's the director's name? John, John Pitthar. John Pitthar. Uh, when he was over there at your house and they were doing some interviews with some of the families, 
And it was amazing to to watch him sit down with these families and talk with them and about their about their pets. But how is that coming? I know that they still need uh, uh, money to help with that. They do need money. They um, th- we need to raise about a hundred thousand dollars, and I think Scott's raised about sixty, fifty or sixty. I haven't had the latest figures. But as one of the guys that was interviewed at my house, as as he said, um, a lot of lawyers haven't met anybody like Scott Fine. No. And it's like if you tick off him, he's going to go after these people, and he does. He's tenacious. He almost died from COVID a year and a half ago, and he's kept running running the website out of his hospital bed, and so he's quite tenacious. But. If anybody would like to donate to this cause, because it is a great cause, you can go to Joy's Legacy, J-O-E-Y-S, Legacy.org, and just hit the donation button. We're trying to raise money for that documentary. And I would encourage you to go to the Facebook page. Also, you know, it's a, it's, it's a wealth of information. And let me also uh, give my website for my book Please series. Do. Yeah, the the website for the seven book series about the end times is www.theendthebook.com. And you can buy these books at that website, or you can buy them at Amazon.com. Uh, but we do discount them at the website. But that's www.theend.com. And what about your business with your LEDs? My business name is Energy Concepts, but the website's down, so can I give my phone number? Uh, you can give anything you want. Okay. Um, my cell phone is 678-283-9787. And again, my name is Jerry Robb, R-O-B-B. And just give me a call if you're considering LED lighting, and I'll be glad to um, give you a cost estimate. Uh, give that number again, Jerry. Six seven eight two eight three nine seven eight seven. If anybody is interested in any of the things we talked about today, the uh, the lighting, or the end the book, or the uh, Joey's legacy, uh, you can also still call him on his cell phone, and he will help you out with more information. One on one, Jerry does answer that phone, unless he's asleep, and he goes to sleep about eight o'clock or seven o'clock in the night, but. Uh, he does uh, answer that phone, and he will call you back. So, you know, I want to thank everybody, Jerry, especially for coming in today. We've we've talked we talked a lot. We've been friends for quite a while now, and uh, I, I, it's one of the things I donate to is with Joey's legacy, and it's just it's just awesome. I want to remind everybody to read those books; they're they're fantastic. Uh, but thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services and in part by Sosby's Garage. Be sure to join us for the live broadcast on Wednesdays at 1130 here on Business Radio X. If you miss the live broadcast, no worries. You can enjoy the show anytime you want by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Case in Point. This program is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, anywhere you enjoy your favorite podcast. Please hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any of our episodes. Thanks again for my guest, Jerry Robb, and my producer, Mike. I'm Rick Strawn, and remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more 
than just your assets.